you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the start, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the win today by the Indians over the Miami Marlins. We'll discuss the uh, performance of CeCe Sabathia, former Indian, and the uh, milestone he achieved. And we're going to discuss Lynchburg as it is their turn, their day for speech. So it was a, a nice win for the Cleveland Indians, uh, offensive explosion. Trevor Bauer had a mixed result. Um, he picks up the win, he goes seven innings, he strikes out ten. But at the same time, the wildness we had that's been a little bit of a concern came back with the four walks, a wild pitch, and a hit batter. The home runs are also something. He gave up another home run today. I, that home run was his fourth of the year. Last year, he gave up a total of nine home runs. I mentioned that a year ago, he had the lowest home run rate in all of baseball, and it was a significant decrease from previous years, where he'd been typically over one per nine, and last year it was down to 0.5 per nine, which made me a little nervous, as uh, a lot of times that's something that can rebound back. Uh Trevor Bauer is absolutely still the ace of this team, but it was interesting. Like I said, another home run. He's got half as many home runs. We're not even into May. You know, not quite half as many, but near half as many home runs as he had given up all last year. And then, like I said, the walk, the wild pitch, the hit batter. Uh, His control had taken a significant step forward last year as well. Uh... He had had this nice decreasing walks per nine of 3.3, 3.1 to a 2.9 last year. This year, it's over four again. So it's just something to monitor. Um, he is getting hit less so far across the small sample size. Um, but he's his walks are up, his strikeouts are down, his home runs are up. All things that uh, are, are a little bit troublesome and something to pay attention to. Because in the past, the thing with Trevor Bauer always was he was hard to hit, and he struck out a lot of batters, but he also walked a high rate. And what really made him into kind of a transcendent talent the past few years is he started missing even more bats, and he stopped hurting himself with the walk. So we'll have to kind of pay attention to that. Uh, Nick Wetgren, facing his uh, former team, came in. Got the hold. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Brad Hand shut the door. He's looked. He's been phenomenal. So the the rest of the staff was was great. Carlos Santana with his third home run. Cargo with his second. Lindor continuing to play well since he's back. Uh, Jose Ramirez continuing to scuffle. I was uh, you know I've been very. How should I phrase it? I, I had very low expectations and belief that Cargo would do anything. He is exceeding those right now. We'll have to see if he can keep it up, if this is going to be like when I had doubt in Scott Casimir and then was proven wrong, or if this is going to be when I had doubt in Hanley Ramirez and was proven right. Only time will tell. Kipnis had a hit, which is for him a huge improvement over what we've seen. Um, you know, Bauer was hitting because where we are in the National League – the uh, on the other side of things, the Marlins are the worst offense in baseball. Four runs, an exceptional game for them. Uh, Curtis Granderson with his fourth home run of the year. He 
he's one of those guys that if he could just get his average and on base up, I honestly think he would make some sense for the Indians at the deadline just because he's on such a cheap contract. He is a rental. He is the consummate professional, someone that uh, Tito would have no problems playing every day. And obviously he can still hit for power with the four home runs this year and being a steady player for Toronto a year ago. The bottom line here is the Indians pick up a win beating up on the worst team in baseball, and that's exactly what they should be doing. Uh, They should continue it tomorrow. They should sweep this little two-gamer and just keep going. The Marlins are atrocious. Um, They're a really bad team, and these are the teams you need to beat up on when you're a team like the Cleveland Indians. This is the perfect time for some hitters to maybe build up some confidence facing this team and for the pitchers to do the same because the Marlins are as bad as a team as the Indians will face this year by a significant margin. So former Indian CC Sabathia recorded his 3,000th major league strikeout tonight, just the 17th pitcher to do so, and just the third left-hander to accomplish that feat. So think about it for a second. I want you to think about who those three left-handers are. And he's also just the third African-American pitcher who has accomplished the feat as well. So think about that as well. I'll give you at the end of the uh, broadcast the the answers to those if you're going, huh, so who are the, uh, who are the two other African-American pitchers and who are the two other left-handed pitchers? And if you were wondering, uh, Sabathia... Of those 3,000, recorded 1,265 of those with the Indians. Uh, About 128 with the Brewers and the rest of them with the Yankees. So, uh, And of the players in the 3,000 strikeout club, the only two missing are Roger Clemens with the PEDs and Kurt Schilling, who's been a bit of a jerk. So uh, Sabathia looks like he's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, it looks like he will probably go on a New York Yankee. That is where he won his championships. That is where he has the majority of his strikeouts. Maybe not what Indians fans want to hear. Uh, 19 seasons in the bigs, though, for a guy who struggled with conditioning. It's kind of amazing. The uh, The only first-round pick for uh, John Hart that really turned into anything. I know you're going, what about Manny Ramirez? Ramirez was actually taken by Peters before uh I wrote some pieces on this. I'll have to dig them out. But uh, uh, for Hart and Shapiro, it was definitely a wasteland of drafting. And and, uh, Spathia was that bright spot. Like I said, the fact he's lasted so long and been so successful is just a testament to his ability and his greatness as a pitcher. And now we move on to Lynchburg. So the Lynchburg did have a game tonight. They were facing off against the Woodpeckers of... Fayetteville, that's the Houston Astros affiliate. The main reason I was able to identify that quickly was the uh, seeing the catcher Manea in there, who they uh, got in a trade this offseason. Uh, I believe he was part of the return for the uh, the J.D. Davis deal. And then Seth Beer, who's playing first base after being the first-round pick a year ago. For the Cleveland Indians, the lineup, uh, you got... Nolan Jones and Oscar Gonzalez were the most interesting players from my perspective, at least. Gonzalez with the home run tonight, just his second of the year. Uh, you go through the pitchers, and it's Justin Garza, Polanco, 
Gomez and Gu, uh, Anthony Ghost, who's, you know, you're like, wait, I know that name. Uh, yes, it is the former outfielder who is trying to make it back to the majors now as a pitcher. He's trying to reverse Ankiel, as it were. Lynchburg has uh, been a strong team so far this year in terms of their prospects. I couldn't tell you what their record is, but... I wouldn't quite put it on the level of um, Lake County, who of these four teams is definitely the most interesting. It almost feels like it's a stairs going downward, you know, from Lake County to uh, Lynchburg to Akron to Columbus being really the least interesting in terms of prospects. And... You know, you could even extend that with probably the rookie ball team has the most interesting prospects of any of the levels right now. So, so far this year for Lynchburg, we are a week later. Robert Broom is the reliever that uh, I I hope they push aggressively. Uh, Eight games, 18 and eight. I'm sorry, eight games, 11 innings, 18 strikeouts. That's that's pretty good, right? He's walked five and allowed just six hits and no earned runs. You know, he was that either in the, I believe he was the 10th. He might have been in the ninth round. Another one of those sidearm guys, polished college player, uh, especially since they just moved into the pen. He feels like someone who needs to get that bump and start getting pushed aggressively up the ladder as quickly as possible. Eli Morgan through his five starts. 28 innings, 37 strikeouts, 4 walks, just 13 hits. He's uh, he's beyond this level. I, he's not going to get a bump till probably, you know, they, they typically don't start moving guys too much outside of injury until post-draft, so he's probably got about another month down there. But if he is not out of there by the middle of June, I won't get what they're doing with him. Uh, there's just not a lot of reason to keep him down there. When he has, he spent a good chunk of last year there, and he's not being challenged at all. Mejia, three starts. You know, he was the pitcher who was added the 40-man, if you don't remember Juan Carlos Mejia. Adam Scott was a draft pick from a year ago, a lefty who is a 26-5 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Starter, probably long-term, your best chance is that he'll... uh, who moved to the pen. A little bit of an oddity is I think this also tells you how bad the defense is down there. Scott has given up six earned runs. Now he's given up 16 total runs, but only six are earned. And if you think, oh, maybe that's just him, Juan Hillman has given up 21 runs, just 10 earned. So the defense in uh, Lynchburg, not particularly good. Now it is interesting to say that because uh, a player who's not had a lot of time down there is Sicknarf Loopstock. Now, he's one of those kind of deep sleepers. There was a really interesting article, I think it was on Fangraphs, where they pointed out multiple things with him that kind of made him, you know, potentially the best framer in the minors, that there are some things that show that he might be one of the biggest sleeper prospects in the minors. So just keep your eyes on Sicknarf when he finally gets some time. And come on, his name is Sicknarf Loopstock. What more do you need? Gavin Collins, who I mentioned last week, has continued to hit, but he's kind of, it's a fringe profile. I I do find it funny that he's still listed as a catcher on the Lynchburg site, even though he's mostly played first base. And then you got the big three, Oscar Gonzalez, who still yet to record his first walk 
23 games, 23 strikeouts. Uh, the power is always going to be a part of the game. He is still hitting for a high average. I don't know how long that'll keep up, but uh, yeah, it's it's odd to see a guy without a single walk this far in the year. On the other side of things, you can look at Nolan Jones, the Indians' top prospect. He too has 23 strikeouts uh, in 24 games, but he also has 16 walks. So while his uh, his average is below uh, Gonzalez's, his uh, his on base percentage is significantly higher. Now, Jones is yet to hit a home run this year, which does hurt his slugging. Uh, Gonzalez also weirdly has two triples for uh, not exactly someone who's known for his speed, but he's kind of filling in the the stuff in that stat sheet, as it were. But uh, when it comes down to it, you know, Jones is a, a young guy. They're putting there aggressively, and he's still performing well. He's hitting for average. He's getting on base. With his size and length, the power is going to come, and we have seen the power in the minors before. He's just adjusting to a new level. I also have to mention Steve Kwan, another pick from a year ago. He was such an Indians pick on so many levels that I'm kind of upset at myself for not predicting that he would go to the Indians. He's a young-for-the-class outfielder who bats left-handed, cold-weather, You know he's up in Oregon. That's a cold weather state compared to most. Now he was at Oregon State, which is also one of the top programs in the country and has plenty of uh, indoor practice facilities. But uh, you know Quan is a five eight outfielder who's a, a left handed batter who every year got better. Didn't really play much as a freshman. Was a part time limited player as a sophomore, and then his junior year finally got a chance to play every day. Proceeded to hit 355, 50 walks to just 18 strikeouts. You're looking at a fifth, nearly 16% of the time he went up, he walked, while he was striking out under 6% of the time. That's phenomenal. Uh, there is no power there at all. There's not really a lot of speed either. It's not like he's a below-average runner. He's like average to an above-average runner. They're just really... He doesn't have tools. Now, as high performance shows, there is a hit tool, there is an on-base tool, but he has 20-grade power. I mean, if you're being generous, you maybe give him a 30-grade. He is the definition of a slap hitter. He'll get on base, he's smart, he does all the right things, and he maximizes what he can. And so far this year, he's hitting 352, uh, 13 walks to 13 strikeouts, so those numbers are up a bit in high A, uh, 12.5% for both of those. But he's posting high bat pips with high average. He just knows how to get on base, and he continually gets on base. He has eight doubles, two triples as well. Uh, so his slugging percentage is actually higher than Nolan Jones. So Steve Kwan, he's going to be one of those guys to check out. That draft class is really interesting just from the perspective of the Cleveland Indians because so many of the players are performing relatively well right now and we'll have to see how it continues to go a lot of the big names haven't even really you know hankins and torres haven't had those opportunities yet to perform but uh they liked quan enough to give him nearly two hundred thousand dollars which is a hefty chunk even in the the fifth round so and when you look at here's a five eight hundred and sixty five pound outfielder who had a year and a half as a starter i mean it was a year and a half at the top program in the country, but still a year and a half. He turned 21 in September. 
So while he is here in Lynchburg, he's still young for the level because he is young for, you know, a junior class prospect. So he's really performing. He's another kind of helium guy to pay attention to and see how he continues to perform. At this point, if I'm rating the top five prospects, though, for Lynchburg, it's going to be Nolan Jones, one, Eli Morgan, two, three is, for me personally, Oscar Gonzalez, four is probably Mejia, and in that fifth spot, I might just go with Quan right now. Brooms in contention, even though he's a reliever, but I think I'll go with Quan in his performance. So, those are kind of some names to watch. Now, before I wrap things up, let's turn it back around and go back to that uh, trivia question I kind of gave partway through. So, who are the two other left-handers with 3,000 strikeouts? This is probably the easier one of the two. Uh, Randy Johnson should immediately come to mind. He's, I believe, second all-time. And just with the way the, uh, for anyone of a certain age, I mean, you have to be, what, maybe in your teens right now to not remember Randy Johnson? So that's an easy one. Steve Carlton was before my time, but uh, I've played enough baseball mogul through the years that I remember his dominance. Now in terms of African-American starters, the obvious one here, uh, again, there's one that stands out, and that should be Bob Gibson, as you know, this is someone who made them change the, uh, the height of the mound because of how dominant he was. And then Fergie Jenkins, who was such a longtime pitcher. Uh, those are the two African-American pitchers to amass 3,000 strikeouts. So both uh, both are elite clubs for Sabathia, and we got to experience a lot of years of his greatness. Uh, it took him a little while to get there. Go back and look at the stats. His last two to three years are really when he went from more of a mid-rotation to that kind of elite starter, but uh, it's it's great to see. I mean, I personally am a big fan of any of these players who achieved greatness who had significant careers with the cleveland indians that's all for tonight thank you for listening remember to subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts that help us helps us a lot tell a friend um still need questions for a mailbag anything else you can always find me on twitter at jeff mlb draft and as always go tribe